We're glad that you're here with us this morning. We teach in series, meaning we take a topic, talk about it for several weeks. This is actually week four of Bad Blood. If you'd like to catch up, um, some of them are on Facebook. Uh, we had some technical difficulties last week. All of them, the audio is on our, our website. So this is week four of four. This is titled Sh- uh, Shaking the Dust Off. We'll do a little review at the beginning to those of you who have not been here to kind of catch you up where we're at. So we've been talking about problem relationships. Uh, we all have issues in some of our relationships, whether it's family members, friends, uh, relatives, uh, co-workers, whatever it might be. Uh, some of our relationships need work. They're not great. They're not at, we're not at peace. We've been trying to share some principles that will help you with those relationships. And we believe these relationships work, whether you're a Jesus follower or not. If you're not, we're delighted that you're here. And uh, you can take advantage of these principles. This is a tough topic. It's an emotional topic. Relationships, dealing with difficult relationships. Uh, so we understand that. We've got a key verse that we've been using. This is something Paul wrote to a church in, that he started in Rome. And he said this, If it is possible, meaning it's not always possible, and we're going to talk about that today when it's not, as far as it depends on you, meaning you and I do all we can do to make this bad blood relationship good again. Uh, but that's all we can do. And our goal is to be peacemakers, live at peace with everyone, have no grudges, have no hard feelings, no resentments, no bitterness. Just live at peace with everyone. Now, there's, you can be at one end or the other end of this bad blood relationship. So we said, one week we talked about when you've been wronged, and somebody has wronged you. Usually we think, well, I'll just sit back and wait till they come and apologize to me. But Jesus instructs us, no. Even when somebody else is at blame, somebody else has caused the bad blood relationship, you and I are to take the first step and go and forgive them. Even before they ask, or even if they don't ask. Uh, because forgiveness is best for us, even though more so than those that receive it. So we ask for forgiveness it's fine to share and say, hey, yes, you, you, you hurt me, you, this bothered me, whatever, uh, but I'm going to let it go, I'm, I'm going to forgive you. Now, if you're on the other end, where you've been d- done something wrong, when you've wronged someone, you and I are again supposed to go and take the first step, and this, is, in this case, is to confess our wrong, to, to repent, to ask for forgiveness uh, of that other person. Now, when we do this, Either situation, when we do this and it's received well, uh, when the relationship is restored, when there's peace again, when it's healthy again, it's something to really celebrate, isn't it? When this, this actually happens. And, and the wonderful thing in this series is, every week somebody shares with me, hey, I actually did what you said and it actually worked. I had a new story of the day. Someone hadn't talked to a, to a, a relative for years and uh, it was really bad, and they said he called them up, and uh, uh, they both feel better now. So this stuff works. When we have bad blood, I have a term, or I found this term that applies to what you and I are supposed to do, and I, it's called mad love. You know, uh, you just go out of your way to love that person, to ask for forgiveness, to offer forgiveness, to, to repent. And someone used this term, I like this term, then there's this wonderful dance of harmony when the, when the relationship has been restored. You're separated, now you can dance together or go through life together. Now, some of you remember a famous poet 
who wrote some words that apply to this situation, and we're going to share it with you on the screen. All right, it takes two to have a relationship, right? A good relationship or a bad relationship. And the restoration of a relationship is a, is a powerful thing, a beautiful thing. But what do you do when the other person's not helping? You're doing all you can do, uh, all you can figure out to do, even what other people are suggesting you to do, and the other person just doesn't seem to be responding positively. They're not helping and we most of us get to that place where we think, is there anything else I can do? Is there more than I can do? So here's the question we're going to tackle this morning. How long does it depend on me? How long do I keep offering the olive branch? How often do I keep offering it and my hand gets bit? You know, is there a limit? Uh, is there a place where I just say, that's all I can do? Um, as we talked about, you can be at peace with the relationship when there, when there isn't peace in the relationship. And that sometimes, unfortunately, that's the situation. So we put on the outline, when does my continual extension of assistance become irresponsible? When is enough enough? When if you and I do more, we have a term, we call it, we are, um, <laughs> I forgot it this morning's first service. What is the term? Um, code. What is it? Enabling, that's the term. Oh, I have trouble with that term. When we cross over into enabling, we're enabling negative behavior. Uh, we're enabling maybe even toxic behavior. Uh, when dealing with toxic people, that's not a word in the Bible. The Bible uses a different word. <laughs> the Bible actually uses the word fool. Uh, how do you deal with a toxic person or a foolish person? I put on the outline, foolish people continually behave in ways that hurt themselves and others. They're in this vicious cycle, can't seem to get out of the cycle, so they're hurt them, hurting themselves, and they continually hurt other people. Uh, we would call them toxic. The Bible calls them foolish. Uh, what do you do? How do you handle it? They refuse to change. They refuse to make things better. They refuse to uh, take responsibility for their actions. The problem is there's a lot of collateral damage to a toxic person, isn't there, uh, if you're in a, in a relationship with them? Uh, it spills over into you, and consequently it spills over from you into other people. What do you do? Where do you draw the line? Is there a line? Uh, what are you responsible for? What am I responsible for? Now somebody's written a book, or two guys, some years ago, a really good book. Some of this stuff's going to come out of this book that we're sharing this morning called Boundaries. So if this is some area you want to research some more, you can get that book and, uh, and read up on it. But we're going to talk about something Paul said. Now, we talk, said in this series, Paul was an expert at bad blood. He started off as a Jesus hater, so he had bad blood with anybody who was a Jesus follower, and then he switched sides. <laughs> and so the people he was enemies with, he tried to become friends with, and the people he were friends with, he became enemies with. So he was an expert on bad blood. 
And if you're a Jesus follower, uh, we don't have much option about this. I mean, technically we do, but if I truly want to be a Jesus follower, I need to do what Jesus says or the Bible says, and this, in this case, Paul is writing for us. These are what I, this, this is the things I, I have to do. And again, they're always for our best interests and the best interests of those around us. So this is in a, in a letter Paul wrote called Galatians to a church in Galatia he started. And we're going to look at chapter 6, the uh, first five verses. He starts off talking about people that are struggling. He said, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer, so we're just talking about people, uh, Jesus followers, is overcome by some sin. Uh, we might say they're addicted, so they have some addiction problem. You who are godly, now notice it doesn't say perfect. There's no perfect people. But those of you who are truly seeking to follow Jesus, uh, you should gently, notice how you go, gently and humbly, not with some you know, judgmental attitude, but gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path, free from that that sin that's overcome them. And be careful not to fall in the same temptation yourself. Now, what do we normally do? Unless it's maybe a family member we care about a lot, we usually say it's none of my business, right? Or they're going to tell me it's none of my, they're, they're my business, right? But the Bible describes a relationship of believer to believer as, as, as brothers and sisters, right? Brothers and sisters. And if it's your, truly your brother or sister, you're probably not going to, you just can't. You just can't let them keep destroying themselves. You, you, you have to help. You want to help. <clears throat> now, again, we go, I, I love the phrase, but by the grace of God go I. Because whatever sin they have, whatever problem they're having, I could be having the same problem. It's just by the grace of God <laughs> that I don't. So you go with that humble, gentle attitude. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't have this problem. I could have this problem. I would like to help you with your problem. So then he gives us some details about uh, where the line is. It's really, really interesting, really fascinating. So he says this. Carry each other's burdens, and this is the way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So what is a burden? Uh, what is the law of Christ? Well, the law of Christ is basically Jesus telling us, love one another as I have loved you. Okay? I've loved you unconditionally. You love the people around you unconditionally. So how do we do this? Part of this is carrying each other's burdens. Now burden, I put on your outline, uh, we are responsible to help carry a burden that has become too big. This is something that is too big for one person to deal with themselves. Uh, It could be a a relationship issue. Uh, People come to Deb and I for counseling or uh, because the relationship issue is too big for them. It could be a financial issue. Uh, it could be a health issue. Uh, the church, you know, uh, helped us a, a lot when Aaron was sick and dying. We all you, you supported us and gave us support. So that is bearing one another's burden. When something's just too big for one person to handle themselves. So then he gives us a warning. He says, uh, next verse, if you think you're too important to help someone, if it's beneath you, all right, uh, you're only fooling yourself. So here's one ex- example of you and I being a foolish person. And notice how the beauty of the honesty of Scripture. Here it is. You're just not that important. All right? That's the truth, right? And all of us can be replaced. And none of us need to feel like we're too, too big to do something. Have you ever met people like that? Have you and I ever been a person like that? Unfortunately, 
We have, haven't we? The reality is this. Our, all our lives are like a play, and who has the lead role? I do in my play, right? You do in your play. So Paul is instructing us here, hey, don't think you're ever too important to offer help to those who have a burden, something too heavy to carry themselves. Now, why would we uh, um, not do that? Well, I come up with a couple of reasons. One is because we have an attitude, well, I would never do that. I would never make that mistake. I would never screw up like that. And that's thinking too, too important. The other is it's beneath me. And he's saying, there's nothing beneath you. Uh, Jesus was the perfect example of that, uh, of service. And then he instructs us to pay attention to, um, next verse, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Um, Some translations use the word pride, but pride is a negative side and a positive side, so this is the positive side. This is where you take satisfaction in a job well done, whether it's graduating from high school or college, uh, getting a good job, completing your job. Some people in our church have retired. They've completed their, their work, work experience. Uh, I actually built my own house. There was a sense of great satisfaction when I finished building my house. Most of you know I've run 13 JFKs. Just running one JFK, right, is a great sense of satisfaction. But to do uh, 13, some of other uh, physical accomplishments, uh, getting out of debt, paying off your house, that's a great accomplishment. There's lots of things in life. Uh, one of the great things that uh, I take satisfaction is, is my kids when they grew up and, and they're productive members of society. Uh, I'm thankful to God for that opportunity. But he says, be careful not to compare yourself to others. Uh, reminding what Jesus said about the speck and the log, you know. <laughs> you know, we're so anxious to find this little problem that somebody else has and we have this big problem of our own. And why do we tend to compare ourselves? Normally, who do we compare ourselves to? Usually somebody that is not <laughs> doing as well in some area that we are, Right? And so whether it's a financial issue or health issue or whatever, you know, we like to compare ourselves that way. Um, to try and make ourselves feel better. It's one case, let me just give you one case scenario where you can compare yourself. Just compare yourself to Jesus. Okay? That's okay. Uh, otherwise, you know, comparison, comparing is wrong. So he says, that, uh, I wrote this on your outline, I should not ask you, to help me carry something I myself am not carrying. Because the next verse, he's going to say something that kind of sounds like a contradiction to what he said earlier, but it's not. So we'll try, try and explain that or help you with that. Because so now he's saying, for each one should carry their own load. Now what's your own load? That's your own feelings, your attitude, your behaviors. You know, I'm a pastor. I'm responsible for my attitude and actions. You're not responsible for that. I have certain obligations, responsibilities as a pastor. You're not responsible for that. I'm responsible for that. All right? I shouldn't expect you to do my job, so to speak. Um, I learned this in preschool. They often teach it this way. They teach the preschoolers that you're in charge of you. You're in charge of you, meaning you're responsible for not hitting the other preschoolers. You're responsible for eating your lunch. You're responsible for your 
attitude. You're responsible for not yelling. All right, so we all have our own responsibilities. Our load, our financial responsibilities, paying our, our debts, etc. So first he said, carry each other's burdens, right? These are things that are too big. Uh, an illustration of that would be if I had a boulder up here that was too big for me to carry. And I'd get two or three of you guys to help me. And the three or four of us together could lift it. But I can't lift it by myself. And again, some of these examples are severe. Uh, house fire is a good example. Uh, we should help people have a house fire. That's a burden that's too big to carry themselves. Uh, they're not necessarily responsible for that. So that would be an example of that. So carry each other's burdens. But each one should carry their own load. So what is the difference? Well, let me try and illustrate this way. A load is your responsibility, my responsibility. So in this case, it'd be like a backpack, all right? My wife and I went to France a year, well, a year and a half ago. We both had backpacks. She carried hers, I carried mine. Um, I shouldn't expect her to carry mine and hers, should I? So there's certain responsibilities, loads in our lives. Uh, I have responsibility for raising my kids. You have responsibility for raising your kids, not vice versa. I'm not going to do that. I have responsibility for paying, again, paying my electric bill and paying my mortgage. If you don't pay your electric bill, what happens? Somebody comes and turns, you know, you made this agreement with the power company that uh, they give you power and you pay for it. So we all have loads that we're responsibilities that we're to carry. Burdens that are too big for us to carry, and it's not our responsibility. So we are responsible to help carry others' burdens, and we are responsible for carrying our own load. When we cross that line, when we begin to start carrying other people's loads, it never ends well. I think it's on your outline too. When we feel responsible, yeah, for carrying another load, we rob them of the experience and the outcome of their, act, uh, their decisions or their actions. The outcomes. We might call this, on the positive side, we call it accomplishments, right? Uh, think about those of you who moved out of your, if you're still home, that's fine. But the first time you moved out of your parents' house and you got your own place and you started paying your own way, there was a sense of accomplishment, Right? Um, if your parents are still paying the bills, then it's, it, it's, it's just not the same, right? You're not feeling a sense of, uh, of accomplishment. Um, but if you don't, say you don't pay your, your, your rent, what happens? <laughs> Once, one day your stuff's going to be out on the side of the street, right? Now, here's the question for you and I as, as Jesus followers. Is it a good thing or a bad thing when somebody suffers for irresponsible behavior. Now, we would say it's a bad thing, but it's ultimately a good thing, right? We learn from our, our mis- mistakes. And so what happens often is, uh, as believers or Christians, um, let me use this illustration. If I have a nice lawn and my neighbor has a terrible lawn, he, the grass is dead, dying in the summertime, and I've got mine watered and it's nice and green and lush, but his house is right next to mine and thinking I look bad. So I st- stop watering my grass and start watering his grass. So after a while, his grass is green. But what's happened to my grass? My grass isn't green anymore. And here's the thing, though. And this is the thing you and I need to remember. <laughs> when his grass is green, because I've been watering, doing his responsibility, he's irresponsibly happy, right? 
He's been irresponsible, and he's happy. But what is my attitude in that case? I've been over-responsibly miserable, right? I'm not happy because I'm doing his job or her job. So here's probably the most important thing I'm going to say this morning. Unconditional love necessitates or requires conditional assistance. And that's where we have the problem, right? I, I, to love him unconditionally means I, I keep, keep helping or keep assisting. Now, true unconditional love, and parents, you, you understand this. There's a line where you do stuff for your kids and a line where you say, no, you've got to do it yourself. But this is true of all our circumstances. People have to deal with the consequences. But what do we feel like when we made our unconditional love conditional? We feel it's, it's, not, it's not being unconditional. We feel it's not being Christian, right? We feel like it's not the right thing to do. But think about it this way. Do you have unlimited money, for example? Do you ever lend money to somebody and not get it paid? Dumb question, right? You lent money to somebody and didn't pay it back. Do you have unlimited time? Do you have unlimited resources? Do you have unlimited emotional energy to invest in, in situations? You don't. So consequently, there is a line. It's a line when you run out. Being responsible, though, is to, to choose or decide where the line is. Sometimes the most loving thing you and I can do is say, no. No, I can't bar- you can't lend any more money. I can't help with that anymore. I, I can't. It's not helpful to you. Now, it feels like giving up, though, doesn't it? And it's not giving up. So let me give you two things to do. One is what we've been talking about, set a boundary. Set a boundary. Decide where that line is. Not when you run out of money <laughs> or run out of patience. Decide what is a boulder, what is something I need to help with, and what is a, a load or a backpack that they should be taking responsibility for. <clears throat> now, when you set this boundary, it should be time limited. So I'm not going to help for the next week, next month, next three months, whatever, whatever it is. But his boundary is not a wall. It's more like a fence with a gate. So you put a boundary of three months on this and they're acting responsible after a month. Open the gate. Be open. So set a boundary and secondly, be accountable to someone. And this is a challenging part, isn't it? That's why we say... Be in a group. Circles are better than rows. Because we need to be accountable to one another. Because Christianity is, is a team sport. It's not supposed to be an individual sport. Now again, this is very emotional. Dealing with difficult people. And when you set the boundary, and when you're, even when you're being accountable to someone else, because in that group you're going to want to move that boundary, aren't you? And so your group can help say, no, 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 no. You need to, to stick to that boundary or no no you want to keep the boundary and they say no it's time to open the gate so we need help with that Finance, FPU does this somebody was just telling me about their good experience starting with the new financial peace class so let's wrap it up you can have peace about the relationship even without peace in the relationship you've done all you can do uh, you've set your boundary uh, this series, series has been action oriented we've given you stuff to do and so, consequently, we said this, you'll never passively find what you're not actively pursuing. 
So it didn't do any good if you had, came here all four weeks and heard everything I said if you just go back home and don't do anything, right? So first week we talked about taking the long walk around of empathy. So that's something you and I need to do and seeing it from their, from their perspective. We talked about going even when they've wronged us and offering forgiveness. We talked about going when we've wronged and repenting and asking for forgiveness. And today we talked about setting boundaries, figuring out what that boundary is, where is the best thing to do, the healthiest thing to do. And when we say actively, we actually mean run. Run to do whatever it is. Uh, last week we talked about not letting the sun go down on your rat 24 hours. You know, go try and fix it as soon as possible. So I want to end with a passage from the end of Romans. I'm going to read it as a prayer. So I'd like you to just bow your heads with me and I'm going to read it. May God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony or peace with each other. As is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you, all of us, can join together with one voice, doing what? Giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, God, that is, that is our prayer, that we will be peacemakers. And we know it's difficult, we know it's hard, and our tendency is to, to want to sit back and, and just hope it gets better. But God, we just pray for wisdom, and, and then we pray for courage to actually go and do uh, what you instruct us to do. Because our lives will be better and the lives of those around us will be better. There will be peace. God, I thank you for the many testimonies I've had of people that's actually done this and it's worked. But I'm sure there's others that have tried and hasn't worked. So God, I would just pray, as, again, that we set the boundary, yet still be open for when that can, relationship can, can improve or be more healthy. Uh, we thank you for the unbelievers, the non-Jesus followers here this morning, God. Uh, we thank you that they're here, that they're listening. And we pray that something that's been said today that makes sense to them, that says, hey, this Jesus following thing is worth uh, trying, and that they would move toward Jesus or maybe even step across that line. We pray for them, God, as they struggle, or challenged by that decision. Uh, and we thank you, Jesus, that you provide that restoration of relationship with you, you God, and with each other. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.